JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. From the morning show, Kevin Inquiry joins us every Monday. Their show, Monday through Friday, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. Jake Query is with us all the way around. This is what I got. And this is what they say, you know, the KISS method in radio terms. Keep it simple, stupid, really in a lot of terms. I thought that that's what the Colts did in a week that was chaotic. I thought game-wise, they kept that as simple as possible from top Jim Irsay, all the way to the bottom, if you want to go from organizational pieces to player personnel, they kept it simple, I thought, and executed and got back on track, if not for one week. And it was something that the Colts fans, I think, in general, really needed to see. No, I totally agree with that. And thanks for having me on, John, as always. You know, Jim Irsay said afterwards that that was almost by design, right, that they just needed to simplify it, not only because – you had a new head coach, you had a new guy calling the plays, but, you know, maybe just to kind of get back to the basics, like let's weed out some of the extraneous and let's just, let's just get down to the, to the brass tacks and make sure that we're doing in that regard, what we need to offensive line played well, obviously they had balance offensively and they were, you know, maybe they also benefited from the fact that if you were going to go through a change, you were able to do it against one of the, the worst teams in the league or certainly one of the most underperforming. Um, but all around, a good result, good day. And I know people, you know, understandably and rightly were excited about it. There are some things that I think are still of concern. But, uh, you know, that's maybe for another time because right now people want to kind of bask in the glory of a win. No, and, and there's no doubt. Well, I'm sure get to those concerns too. But seriously, the Raiders aren't any good. But they were in a similar desperate situation here and you still kind of look at how that's framed up on this Monday when you lose to a team that hired a guy from TV and got in there midweek had a first time play caller had all this chaos going on and you lose to that team I'm telling you the Raiders going in Jake that, that was a desperate team that was trying to get back on track regardless and that sometimes can be the toughest thing to do for a road team anywhere, much less a team of desperation, but they certainly looked apart oftentimes yesterday. Yeah, I, listen, when it came down to it and they had to be poised, they were poised when they had to make plays. Yeah. I'm talking about the Colts. They made plays. You know, Stephon Gilmore, that was a heck of a play to, to, to finish the game. Um, heck, Bobby Okereke had a great play just before that. I mean, there were a lot of things down the stretch that were impressive. I a lot of the adversity the Colts yesterday overcame was adversity they kind of created out of nowhere. I, I still 
you know, to me, the, the, the move at quarterback was, was peculiar. The two-week move to Sam Ellinger. I know Matt Ryan, but they said Matt Ryan's injury was not a factor in his benching. I know the turnovers probably were. Um, but at create, you know, that, that, that was, to me, I'm still kind of, I guess, bewildered by that decision. I get it. I know what the motivation was. I think it set them back a little bit. Um, but yesterday I thought was, I thought it was a really good day all around. The only person within the organization, and don't get me wrong, I know he wants to win and that's good news. I, I, I don't know that I would be overly comfortable if I'm Chris Ballard because as we talked about this morning with Kevin, I, I shared my thought on it. But, you know, you've got Jeff Saturday, who's a coach that he did not bring in, that he supposedly, you know, said, hey, let, let's, let's take a harder look at this. Yeah. You go with it anyway. He gets the win. He gets the win over the coach that was the one that you had picked who looks completely lost in Josh McDaniels, the guy that, that you had stood by adamantly in terms of the offensive line, Matt Pryor gets one rotate, one snap, and that's it. And all of a sudden the offensive line is playing better. That, that would be the only area um, or the only person that I think yesterday probably there was somewhat of an indictment on. But overall, like I said, good day. And I know, listen, this is, that's what the fans of this team needed that, right? I mean, people that I know that went out to Vegas, took advantage of the fabulous work by Bullseye Event Group to go out and enjoy it and have fun with it. It was great to see them be able to be, you know, their trip rewarded with a win. So, Jay Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query, are they any more automotive group hotline? I, I think when you talk about stuff that the Colts created on their own, to me it was more the decision when, when Jim say wanted to go with Sam Ellinger and forced that upon everybody else on that team. Because we knew Matt Ryan was injured at the time, and he didn't really want to mess with Nick Foles. Okay. But what they erred in judgment about, to me, was saying rest of the year. Right? Saying rest of the year. If you didn't say rest of the year once Matt Ryan got healthy, uh, to me, if you really wanted to win a game, you went with him. I even thought if you really wanted to win a game, you would go with Foles over Ellinger. This is not an indictment on Ellinger by any stretch. But to me, those two veteran guys just give, and especially as we saw with Matt Ryan yesterday, this chance or a team, this team, a better chance to win. And that is the situation. I mean, Jim Mercer still wants to win, regardless of what you see with a four and five and one team and, you know, what Tennessee's doing at the top of the division. Jim Mercer still wants to see this team win. He isn't on board with, hey, you hope that you lose and you get a top three pick or whatever the case. He still wants to see this team win. What do they have, seven games remaining now? That's that's his philosophy. Well, the other thing where I thought they aired is when they said, not even with Matt Ryan, you know, the, the whole end of the year thing, but when they said we would be making this move regardless of whether or not Ryan had a sprained shoulder. I mean, they made it sound like that move was at that point when the Colts made – the decision to go away from Matt Ryan and go to Sam Ellinger. That, to me, whether this is what they thought or not, the way it came off was we are moving forward. We are turning the calendar to next season to see what we have moving forward. And then I think what happened, I don't know this, but I think it, they make the move as well at the coaching position. There's a huge national outcry from everybody about the fact that, you know, what are they doing bringing in a guy with no coaching experience? I don't personally buy into that argument, but I know that there was a lot of – and Jim Mersey was borderline – you know, he was defensive. He was, he was out of character level 
defiant in his press conference about Jeff Saturday. And I think at that point, Ursay was then motivated by, I'm going to prove everybody wrong, and we're going to win the first game regardless. And the best chance to do that is to have Matt Ryan out there. And what to me is interesting that I raised to Kevin this morning is, would Frank Reich have had the leeway and the leash to make that move back to Matt Ryan? Or was Jeff Saturday afforded that sort of benefit of doubt or that sort of autonomy that Frank Reich did not have with the owner? And well, and, and, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I hope that's, that, that's part of my philosophy, Jake, of, of wanting to see the people in positions to make decisions be allowed to make those decisions, and that right. includes the owner. That's why I've said moving forward, when he gets everything in place, you know, football operations-wise, coaching-wise, then to me I want him to go back and, and be the type of owner that he was, you know, when they were winning in the Manning era, and you, you rarely heard from him. Hey, here's a tweet from Jim Ursay. Are you ready? Okay. This is the latest. This is from Jim Ursay's Twitter account. All you critics, you criticize all of us in the NFL for losing. When we make moves to win, you act so righteous. Who you crapping? Just win, baby. Jim Irsay. Okay. Who you crapping? You can't. Here's the thing. That's all well and good, but the moves that cost you to not win were made by you and only you. So you but, can't. Uh, well, I mean, the, the yeah, the, the, to me, to me, I understand where he's coming from there. I mean, that is a shot back at everybody, me, everybody else included, that you know, question this particular move. There's still a long way to go with this move, but what I can't I'm say, Jake, I blame is. him for wanting to get a little payback there. But I, I would agree, a lot of a lot of the situations, you know, especially the look of that press conference last Monday and what came out of that, it was basically a a Colts creation. Make no mistake. What I'm saying is this, and I like Jim Irsay, right? But what I'm saying is. If you want to stand on the mountaintop, and I get it, in terms of the, I think probably what he's talking about the critics is the critics of hiring Jeff Saturday. And I think the Bill Cowers and the Joe Thomases of the world, yeah. spare me, save it, right? Sorry, sorry. They went out and they went outside of your little boys club of the same 65-year-old retread has-beens. Sorry that Jeff, that, that Jim Mercer thought outside the box, right? I'm, I mean, I have no problem with them going out, you know, who doesn't like Jeff Saturday and and who doesn't believe that Jeff Saturday could probably, do you have to be a guy that has experience as an assistant coach in order to know? No, I'm I'm with Jim Mercer on that. But in terms of, see, we lost a couple of games in a row and now we're back to winning, so where are the critics now? Well, you lost those games because you made the decision to go to a quarterback that was not ready to play in the National Football League, period. So, you created that losing skid so you don't all of a sudden get hoisted from the mountaintops because you ended that skid when it was your own decision to go to, to, to all of a sudden go a direction that did not give your team its best opportunity to win. Well, he, and he was talking to everybody, too. He's talking to somebody you guys are going to talk to tomorrow. He was talking to his former coach, Tony Dungy, with that tweet as I well. I totally believe, John, I 1,000% believe that part of the decision to go ahead and go back to Matt Ryan and get back on the winning track was because of Tony Dungy coming out and questioning some things. I really do. I think that had a big. I part. think Although I think that's Tony who. Je- no, I th- well, and, 
Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's, you know, us questioning, you know, who's going to be pulling the trigger on decisions. But what is clear is he let the guy that he just hired midweek make that decision. And that's the good thing. You don't want that decision coming from the owner's box. You want that decision coming from the guy that you entrust to be your coach, whether that's Jeff Saturday or Jake Query or Cam or whomever. You want to, to, to hand the reins of that decision-making over, over to your coach. So I, 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 just, I thought that, to me, that was more of, okay, you guys think that Jeff Saturday is just a, uh, you know, um, undercover boss puppet for me? Uh, no, he's going to make these decisions now, whereas I would agree with you. I don't think Frank Reich had much of a choice given the circumstances before he was let go with Sam Ellinger. Do you think – that it's possible that Jim Irsay calls Jeff Saturday to gauge his interest in coaching, and Jeff Saturday says, I'm going to come back and coach, but I've got to be able to have control of who's quarterbacking. Oh, I, I think that, 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 that I'm sure that was talked about. I, I don't know if it would sound like that, but sure. Sure. I, just, I think that Jim trusts Jeff Saturday a great deal, and I think you saw that in – and really, I think you saw that from Jeff – with the coaching staff, there was not time to reinvent the wheel. You just kind of got to roll with it. And you think about Scott Milanovic for a minute, who reportedly declined because he wanted more money, you know, being elevated to a play caller from a quarterback's coach. Jake, we learned this long ago, don't we, in broadcasting? Don't we learn this long ago that you have to do everything, don't you? I mean, you have to. Yeah. When you're asked, when you're first breaking in, you got to do everything when you're asked. It can be totally detrimental good. if you don't. And that's, that's kind of how I looked at, you know, Parks Frazier stepped up, and that's a good thing. Hey, I, Parks Frazier, you got to give him full credit, man. I mean, that, that, that offense was balanced. They didn't try to outcute themselves. They didn't try to outsmart themselves. They, the, like Jim Mercer said, they simplified it a little bit, and it worked. Now, eventually they're going to have to get more intricate. And, and you know what? Credit where due, because I've been hard on this guy, but Paris Campbell, who joins us on the show tomorrow, by the way, um, Paris Campbell is a guy that, that's taken his fair share of knocks from myself and others and, you know, just about not being available and being absentee in games, and he has emerged into a reliable target for whoever's throwing the ball. Um, so, they, you know, they, they did a good job yesterday. I mean, that's the bottom line. They did a good job. They protected. They gave. Matt Ryan time, they gave Jonathan Taylor holes. And, you know, even Jordan Wilkins, when he came in, had a couple of runs that were, that were nice plays. It was productive and a positive day all the way around. So Yeah, and that's where it starts, too. I mean, that, that offensive line is the entire season. It's where it yep. starts. The offense as a whole is going to be as good as the offensive line. And that was, from start to finish, the best that offensive line has played this year. And you saw why their offense was more enjoyable to watch you know, they scored 20-plus points finally and ended up winning that game. Is it all starting with the offensive line, Jake? I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, they – boy, it was night and day. And I don't know if that's Jeff Saturday's influence. I don't know if that's simple – you know, I don't know what it is. I don't – you know, Quentin Nelson had said, like, hey, you know, it was Matt Ryan that, that Matt – you know, Quentin Nelson had told Zach Kiefer that – and I'm paraphrasing – that the, they were so impressed by the professionalism showed by Matt Ryan and the way that he handled Sam Ellinger 
that when Matt Ryan got the call again, it rejuvenated the offensive line of this is a guy we want to block for. And, of course, I'm a natural cynic, so I say to myself, so you didn't want to block for others? It's not what he meant, I realize. But everything that they did, the Colts had two choices. And one choice was to either roll with this and go with it, or the other one was to pack up 10 and give them credit. Whether it's Jim Mercer, Chris Ballard, or Jeff Saturday, the decisions they made were decisions that the team decided to go with as opposed to pack up 10. And kudos to them for knowing their personnel to pushing those buttons. Jay Query for the Morning Show. Kevin and Query with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I sent you, and I, you probably had seen it before that. Did you notice in that, that post-game locker room speech from Jeff Saturday and then Jim Irsay handing out the game ball, did you notice that Jim Irsay, this may be me making up stuff, but it looked to me like he asked twice for Chris Bauer to come up there and maybe Chris was apprehensive about coming up there. Did you notice that? I did. I noticed it after you pointed it out to me for certain. He had to call him up a couple times. Yeah. And he came up. Um, and, you know, I don't, of course, you couldn't see Ballard. He was off camera, so I don't know if maybe he was behind. No, he, yeah, he stepped in front of it. He was, I think he had a suit on. He stepped in. His ass end was in front of the camera, I think. Yeah. yeah. But, yes, I, 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 I don't know that – I don't know, John. Maybe we read into it or maybe I do. I, I don't want to lump you into that. Maybe I read into things too much. But it certainly seemed like in that press conference a week ago since the last time we talked, that Chris Ballard looked like when he was up on that stage with Jeff Saturday and Jim Mersey, that he wanted to be anywhere but there. No and doubt. his body language was terrible. His And he seemed, I thought, defensive. And he seemed like a guy that looked like all of a sudden, whatever power he had, there was somebody else in the building that was going to have more power than he. And that kind of is how that felt yesterday after the game as well. Yeah, that's what I think. Again, maybe I'm making too much out of it, but when I saw that, when he, you know, kind of gestured to him, come on, Chris, the second time, you thought, well, maybe Chris didn't want to be up there. I can't remember the last time that we had a report, I think it was Ian Rappaport, that had mentioned uh, hires up in the organization of the Colts uh, were against that decision and tried to get Jim Irsay not to make that decision on Jeff Saturday. I, I don't remember the last time I saw Pete Ward is a part of a report like that. You know, he was mentioned. I think Ballard was mentioned. You you agree? I was stunned. For those that are unfamiliar, and I think most know this, Pete Ward has been, you know, he, he's the top business executive that has been Jim Mercer's loyal right-hand man and a, and a really nice guy at that. I mean, obviously very smart, but a super nice guy. But Pete Ward has been Jim Mercer's right-hand guy for since they came here in the Mayflower truck. Yep. And right. that – I have my own theories or suspicion as to who would have leaked that and why. Maybe it's unfair. People can draw their own conclusion. Um, But I found that peculiar that those two names, Chris Ballard and Pete Ward, would have been been leaked to Ian Rappaport as the two names that tried to talk Jim Mercer out of the Jeff Saturday move. So is uh, the person you believe that leaked, you think it's Chris? Or a lieutenant thereof because – yeah. What that by here's the thing. I don't know that, but by and I don't either. I was just asking. So yeah, correct. I, but I think you have to look at it this way. What is to be gained by saying Chris Ballard is had 
opposition is probably the wrong word, but what is to be gained by saying Chris Ballard discussed heavily with Jim Irsay, we'll put it that way, about the merit of Jeff Saturday coming in, unless it was someone, be it Ballard or someone speaking on his behalf, that wanted to make sure that it was out there in case things didn't go well with Jeff Saturday of, hey, don't look at me. I know I'm a decision maker with the franchise, but this wasn't my decision. So guess what? Insert name of other team. If you're interested in me, you can't pin that decision on me. Uh, that to me, that's how that comes off. What what other reason or motivation would there be to distance yourself from that decision? Unless it's one that you weren't totally comfortable with and you wanted to hedge the fact, and maybe I'm getting way too Freudian here, and people that accuse me of that, so be it. I, I'll take that criticism because maybe that's accurate. But it, it, it looked very odd to me. There's just There have been so many things, John, I'm not saying that I'm right, and I'm not saying that I'm the, the best tea leaf reader or palm reader on the planet, but there have been so many inconsistencies in the last week in terms of narratives from the Colts that it's been, it's been a challenge to decipher all of it and figure it all out. But when it comes down to it, Jim Mercer's right. They needed to win and just win, baby. That's exactly what they did. All right. You think this transitions to next week you're probably going to have an unbeaten team and the eagles will find out tonight in town best team in the nfl you think this is long lasting because you look at other interim situations of the past i'm not just talking about the nfl but really in any situation i guess you can have some like what took place in mlb with the phillies right you know mid-season there in the change that they made. And then most of the others have a short term effect where everybody like I saw a rejuvenated Kenny Moore yesterday. I don't know. Maybe he's more healthy, but maybe it was an inspirational voice, a change in the voice of the locker room. Do you think this is going to be long lasting or is it going to be a quick kind of juice fix here for the Colts? I have said for a month and a half, I think probably since they started 5-0, I, I, I somewhat flippantly, but I kept saying Philadelphia is going to come here undefeated and the Colts are going to hand them their first loss. So why back away from that now? I think it's entirely possible that the, the feel-good wave, optimism, energy, jolt, all of that, plus the short week for Philadelphia coming in here and probably taking it somewhat lightly because of everything that's going on with Indianapolis, I think it's entirely possible that Nick Sirianni's group comes in here, the Colts hand them a loss, and then reality starts to set in and some of the issues that have plagued them over the course of the year start to show up again, and the challenge arises where they then have to get back on course. But uh, I've been saying for like a month and a half they're going to beat Philadelphia, so I'll stick by it, John. But I don't think – and what's disappointing is if they hadn't put themselves in – you know, if they – I'm not going to say that they tanked the last two weeks, but it is hard not to think. I mean, New England handled them, you know, punched them right in the mouth, no doubt about it. But you do wonder where they could be in terms of the division or trying to find themselves into a wild card in what seems to be now a traffic jam in the AFC. But that's neither here nor there. I think they'll beat Philly. And then after that, I think the the schedule becomes very challenging for them. And I think the record will indicate the challenges that are before them. I want to double back to the quarterback because I'm glad they made the change. And, in, in fact, at the end of the week and then getting into the weekend, you started to hear that, you know, you're probably going to see Matt Ryan at some point in the game. And then 
when right before I started doing yesterday, we, we talked during a, a commercial break at the Colts pregame huddle, and you really started to hear that, no, Matt Ryan was going to get the start. Did you agree with that decision? Because I did. I wanted to see a veteran come back in. I didn't want to see Sam Ellinger get that start again. Did you agree with that call? Yeah, because I never thought he should have been removed to begin with. I mean, sure, the turnover because he's injured. But the, because but he's injured, but not, 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 yes, not, not suggesting. I get where you're going. Not saying uh, Ellinger's the guy the rest of the season. If you would just play him because he's injured, I think people would be okay with that. I think people initially wanted to see him, and it's not all his fault because they lost those couple of games. It's just there's a non-believing factor, and I think what also happened is I think you you turned that locker room a little bit upside down with that decision too. Where they erred was in saying this removal of Matt Ryan is not because of injury. If he was playing well, he could play through this injury. This is not injury-related. So, therefore, to me it was just peculiar. It it felt like Scott Tolzien all over again where you're like, wait a minute, somebody thought this guy could play? And I don't mean that – I'm not saying Sam Ellinger is that level – but it just the timing of it to me was very peculiar. It almost felt like it almost felt like the Colts knew that they needed to make a coaching change and they they didn't know exactly how to get out of it. That's what it felt like to me. I'm not saying that's the case, but it felt that way. I don't know. The timing of the quarterback thing to me was very peculiar and I will if I live to be 75 years old, which heavily take that under. But if I did, I will at 75 still say, you know, it was weird to me that Sam Ellinger experiment for two games. The timing of it was just really weird. But before I let like you, I, like, no. hey, like Jim Mercy said, just win, baby. And they did. So kudos to them. Before I let you go, I think we both agree with this point. We're longtime radio media veterans in this market, love what we do, love radio in general. I think we would both agree the one thing we don't love is all this over-the-top faux outrage that a lot of the national folks and even some of the local folks consistently have, have given. I think it's okay because I didn't agree with the measure and the maneuver. I didn't think it was going to work. But at the same time, there's a difference there between that and this being the most egregious decision in the history of Joe Thomas playing football or a disgraceful decision in terms of what was said yesterday on CBS by Bill Cowher. That is where what we do has turned into an absolute joke, and I hate it. Bill Cowher, I can't speak for Joe Thomas, but Bill Cowher is a guy that coached in the NFL. And if there's one thing we know about the NFL, it's that they love their own little, you know, country club, boys club, don't interrupt this, old guys with nine and eight records recycled every year. Ron Rivera gets attempt number four, franchise number five, whatever it might be. They don't want any interruption to that. They don't like anything that's other than the longstanding secret handshake fraternity boys club. And, Jim Irsay bucked that trend and said, you know what? I'm going to do what the NBA does. I'm going to go find a player that knows the game, that's been around great players, that people like, that has a positive energy about them, that can exude that energy and confidence in guys. I'm telling you what I think Jim Irsay was thinking. And somebody that I think represents what I want from my franchise, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to give him a shot, and we're going to see what the hell happens with it. And good for him. Good for him. I mean, what do they have to lose? And so 
sorry, Bill Cowher, that you found that uncomfortable. Sorry that, like, there are a billion coaches that are waiting their turn. I, I, I get it. Sure, whatever. There are going to be plenty well, of well, you know, Why would, why would uh, John Fox or, um, you know, Gus Bradley – I mean, they were a part of it when it was muddling through. I Listen, did I agree with it? Nah. I mean, I think it was okay to disagree with it. But just in terms of going with the faux outrage, you know, and, and being upset and just trying to have some type of, you know, killer quote, that's the stuff that drives me nuts you about know what? what we do. Look, so. since we're going there, I'll just say this. Since we're going there, I'll say this. I've seen a lot of guys playing in the NFL that beat up their wives that threw women down in elevators on video cameras. I've seen a lot of disgusting, gross, horrible, horrific things taking place from the toxic masculinity of the NFL over the last 10 years, and I didn't see Bill Cowher up there screaming about it. Maybe he did, and I missed it, so my apologies for that. But if you want to tell me this is the most egregious thing you've seen, really, really, that's where we're going with that, really, I mean, do we need to make a laundry list of some of the indiscretions of the National Football League, whether it be against women, whether it be politically, whatever it might be, really, this is the worst thing you've seen. A guy that everybody likes, who is a really good guy, by all account, that is beloved in the city where he's coming back to coach, that's the worst thing you've seen. I mean, come on, man. Come on. I I, I can appreciate they wanted to stand up for their boys club, but come on. Spare me that crap. Couldn't stand it. Jay Query, morning show. Kevin and Query tomorrow morning. Paris Campbell is going to be a part of that. So check it out. 7 Uh, until 10 a.m. as well tomorrow. Jake, I appreciate you, man. All right, John. Be good. Jay Query. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Bob Kravitz joins us. All right, Bob. A little bit of gloating we got from Jim Ursay within the past hour, correct? I saw that. Check back in with me in uh, January, okay? Uh, Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Check back in with me in January. Look, I'd love to, I would love to pander uh, to, to the fans. And, and, and look, mm-hmm. it was exciting. But, you know, I still think it was uh, an impetuous, uh, silly move, um, bringing in a guy with no experience. Yeah, he won his first game. God bless him. I'm rooting for Jeff Saturday. But I'm not going to sit here after they win and suddenly change my tune. Uh, which, you know, a week ago was, what the hell are they doing? No, and I don't think anybody expects you to change your tune, but I think you do. I don't think it's pandering to point out what they did do well and things that they did different. And I, and it's even beyond the field of play. I, I, to me, and I think I said this last week, at some point – I want Jim Irsay to go back to the Jim Irsay of the era in which he embraces the most. That's the golden era. Take a step back. Let football people that he hires to do football jobs perform those football jobs. And that's the one thing I think we saw. He handed the keys over to Jeff Saturday, and he let Jeff Saturday make the decision to me at quarterback. Jeff Saturday, in tune, didn't try to reinvent the wheel, let his assistants handle everything, and you got a very simple – and I thought effective 
game plan that led to a win all the way around. I don't think there's anything pandering at all to talk about how that worked out. We'll see how it works out the rest of the year, but yesterday that plan worked out well. Yeah, Jeff had one really big advantage that Frank Reich didn't have, the ability to determine who his quarterback was going to be. Um, yes. You, you know, I mean, that that's the bottom line. I mean, Matt Ryan has really struggled this year, uh, especially with ball security. He has not been as good as advertised. But of the three guys they got, he still gives you the best chance to win. So I give Jeff all the credit in the world for uh, using the freedom that he was given by Jim uh, to to go back to uh, Matt Ryan. And he played well. And, you know, the offensive line finally showed up. And and Jonathan Taylor had a huge game. So, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt there was more juice. You know, you, you think about the first day with a new boss, you know, a new editor, a new teacher, whatever, there's always going to be some of that um, extra juice. But, uh, let I, you know, I think what I'm curious about seeing is over the long term whether they can sustain it. I still think this is a pretty talented team. I mean, they had seven pro bowlers last year. But, uh, you know, if you can get the offensive line playing better, then bless his soul. But uh, I still think it's a tall task. Bob Kravitz of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And, Bob, that is where it all starts right there. The offensive line, when it plays to our expectations, or better yet, their expectations, that offensively with this group can be the outcome. But I did want to ask you, when do you think, when is this, not in the short term, I gather that from your opening statements here, but when do you view this, when are you allowed to view this as a success in your opinion? You mean the whole Jeff Saturday experience? Yeah, I mean, is it all the way until January, or are there successes along the way with uh, Jeff Saturday, as you can you can view as uh, you know being a good call by Jim Irsay? Yeah, I think you need a bigger sample size. I, I you know how many games that is five, six, seven games. I have no idea, you know. But uh, you know this this idea that one game show you know shows that. He, you know, it, it's easy to do this. You don't need experience and, and all that, I think, is kind of uh, jumping the shark a little bit. But, look, you know, for, for one game, and, and we'll see what happens against Philly, and then the schedule gets tough after they play Pittsburgh, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, look, if he can turn this thing around, I'll be, we'll be all writing one of the great unlikely stories of all time i'll happily do that and issue them the culpa but until then uh, i still you know I, i've got a lot of people in the coach community who I, I consider friends and maybe i'm speaking a little bit from the perspective that bill cower is speaking from not not one super bowl like bill cower and i don't spit when i talk but um you know if you're a guy who's been in this business for years and years and years, uh, coaching at the high school, the, the, the college professional level, yeah, watching Jeff Saturday get this gig is a hard one to swallow. I, I, I understand where Bill Casper was coming from completely. Well, and that's certainly really popular, aren't I? Yeah, well, I mean, that's okay because, listen – 
as far as that decision was made, I was incredibly skeptical, and I'm going to wait and see. However, I will tell you this. By the end of last week, I was sick and tired of everybody, Joe Thomas and then yesterday with Bill Cower, making a lot more out of this than what it was. It can be a bad decision. It can be mismanagement, but a disgrace, egregious. All that is is faux outrage. And in terms of media, national, local, whatever, I think that sucks and I'm sick of it. And I hated that. Well, look, you know, I mean, if you're comparing it to giving a, a predator, a sexual predator, $230 million guarantee contract, uh, or the way teams uh, handle, like the Miami Dolphins, the way they the concussion situation was handled. There have been a lot more egregious things uh, in the National Football League than uh, what happened with the Colts. I, I agree with that completely. Oh, yeah, a lot of it was overstated. But, I, again, yeah, Joe Thomas, uh, you know, after watching that video a second time, um, yeah, he, he, was, he was over the line a little bit, more than a little bit. But, again, uh, at the risk of not being the most popular guy in town, I can see where Bill Cower was coming from. That, you know, he put all that time into uh, your profession and you are bypassed. And believe, you know, a lot of smiles. Everybody's happy in the Colts locker room. But I guarantee you there are guys who are pissed. They are pissed. And I don't, I don't blame them. They got overlooked uh, for this job. For a guy with with no experience, I'm sorry. I mean, I, again, I root for Jeff. I think he has handled this as incredibly well as humanly possible. He was given the opportunity to thumb his nose at the media today, and he handled it just incredibly well. But I just I I, I stick. You know, if, if they go eight and zero, I'll make a culpa. They go seven and one and make the playoffs, whatever. I'll make a culpa. But I think this was uh, not a not a really smart decision. But we'll we'll see. Yeah, well, and listen, that's the part I agree with. I, I remain skeptical. There's no doubt about it. But yeah. as far as you know, the old school, good old boy network mentality, or you know, just trying to make a name for yourself on one of these screaming and yelling quote morning shows, uh, I'm not I'm not particularly well, down me- with those particular angles. Let me ask you this: If uh, yeah. let's say, let's say the Patriots fired Belichick, and they suddenly hired, I don't know, John Hanna, you know, a guy with no, wouldn't wouldn't we be ripped? Wouldn't we? They be a laughing stock? I mean, I just think that we're getting uh, defensive about it because it's us, you know, and Indianapolis you know, sees itself as flyover country. And I understand all that, but I, I just think we have to look at it from a larger perspective. If, if this had happened in another city with another team, we'd be screaming and yelling and laughing and, and having our way with them. How would, it, how would this, how would have this happened if it would have been Peyton Manning? Nationally you know, and locally. About that. I about that. Um, I, I think, I think it would be largely the same. You know, I, I think people would have been more on board with it. I think my uh, initial thought would be, holy crap, that's unbelievable. Um, but I, I think you're realistic about it, and you believe what I believe about the time that coaches have to put in, the grind, the lifestyle, all that stuff. 
I think over time, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It didn't happen. So I, I, I just don't know. I don't know how I'd react. But oh, I would still, I would still, I will say this. I, I didn't have a, what I like to call a sports arousal when they hired Jeff Saturday. I certainly questioned that. But I can tell you, I, I would have had one from here to eternity with uh, Peyton Manning, much like I did when they hired Larry Bird as the coach yeah. back in the day. I know yeah, it's different. Well, I, mean, I know it's the NBA, but uh, yeah. that's that's how I felt. And uh, that's, well, we, you know, we, that, we that turned out to be successful, too. So Yeah, I'm sorry, John. We was a little delay. We, we talked yeah. to Carlisle the other day, and he was talking about Bird. But I, I think... I think it's a you're, you're talking apples and oranges here. Uh, you know, I uh, you're talking about a 53 man roster plus you know whatever. And you're with basketball. You're talking about what 12 guys, 14 guys. Um, the game. I, I think there is an element. I don't want to over mythologize how uh, you know complicated football is, but I think football is more complicated than basketball. You know, at least coaching it uh, at the highest level. I could be wrong. I've never done either one. Well, clearly this team needed a new voice. I think we, at the very least, saw that yesterday. And, you know, one thing, Bob, that stuck out to me is is how simple they kept it. Um, I don't know about, you know, Scott Milanovic, you know, as reported – didn't accept the job because he did. He wanted paid more, and they didn't want to pay him more. So, as the quarterbacks coach remained the quarterbacks coach, and Parks Frazier took over. But I think we also talk about him in that light too. You you keep it simple. Uh, you get short route crossers to help out your offensive line that played much better yesterday, and you make sure you're consistently giving your ball to or giving the ball and giving the opportunity to your playmakers with it yesterday. Yeah, and I, we I haven't like always seen that. I like that they did it early with uh, Jonathan Taylor getting him out in space, uh, you know, getting him out on the on the edge. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, I thought Parks Frazier looked the the the, uh, the X's and O's of it. He did he did great. I mean, there there was no. I don't believe there was a delay of game. They never uh. looked like they were they were panicked or rushed. I thought the clock management was solid. Uh, Especially at the end of the first half, I thought they handled that about as well as you possibly can. You know, I'm not I'm not turning this into nuclear physics, you know. But um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, they they kept it simple, and it helps when your offensive line plays one of the best games of the year. And I don't mean to diminish the effort of the Colts, but the Raiders suck. I mean, the Raiders are really bad, and they 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 uh, Max Crosby got a sack I think in the third or fourth quarter that was their first sack in 13 quarters so you know how much of it was you know the the simplification of things I'm sure that had something to do with it and I think the fact the Raiders are no good had something to do with it as well so Bob Kravitz of the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon did you see the after the game in locker room speech from Jeff Saturday and then Jim Ursay handing the football out. I, I had asked Jake Query this a little bit earlier because I noticed it, and I'm curious if you did. Did you notice when, when Jim got the football and he was going to give it to Jeff Saturday, he, uh, he said, Chris, come up here. Uh, get up here, Chris. It, did you know it seemed like that Chris didn't want to be a part of it? And yeah, I'm assuming that's yeah. the case. Look, we don't know. I have not asked Chris what happened there, but – uh, if you're watching it, you did like I did, like everybody else did. I found it very telling. 
And look, you know, Pelissero and Rappaport had that story this weekend that uh, that Pete Ward and uh, and Ballard tried to talk Jim out of this. Um, so I look, there's a lot of stuff going on in that organization. I'm not privy uh, to you know to all of it, uh, much less some of it. But it's not good, and I'll, I'll be very curious uh, to see how things go with Ballard at the end of the season. Um, my guess is, look, he's not going to quit because there's no money in quit. But uh, I, I think I think uh, that they'll reach a, a mutual agreement and go their separate ways because let's be honest. Let's be honest. Jim Irsay undercut not only his, his former head coach, but he undercut the general manager. And that's the big story here to me is, Jim got out of the way yesterday. Let Jeff Saturday do what he does best, which is lead men, and let him pick his own quarterback. Yeah, and I thought that there was a trickle-down effect to that, too. I I thought, in turn, Jeff did that, uh, delegated that authority, and I think you saw that. I'll give you a great example. Maybe I'm just wrong about this, but in terms of and this could be a one-game thing. I mean, these interim guys come in, and maybe the team gets juiced for a game, and maybe it goes away next Sunday against the, the Eagles against a better team, right? But a guy like Kenny Moore, for example, hadn't seen him fly around and play at that level in forever. I don't know if there was any inspiration in that, new words, new voice in that locker room for that. But Kenny Moore was, I thought, a great example of somebody that looked to be re-energized with whatever the case might be. Yeah, I would agree. He played, he played really well, although he, uh, he was a bit of a uh, tourist uh, on that one play at the end when, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, was it Devontae Adams was yeah. uh, pressing forward for the first down, just kind of watching. I don't know what he's thinking. But, yeah, I think all these guys, again, it's, you know, when, when you get a new – a new teacher, a new editor, new boss, new whatever, you're going to put your best foot forward. So, I, you know, I think that's what happened. And we'll find out what really all about is the season wears on. I, you know, uh, the crazy thing is at four, five, and one, they still got a shot at a wild card. I mean, because, you know, you could put a blanket over most of the teams in this league and they're all the same. So Bob Kravitz of The Athletic, he's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, Parks Frazier, keeping that thing simple as well. And it kind of makes you wonder, quarterback-wise, I've been shouting basically the entirety of the season with the way the offensive line has played to to get the shorter routes, the quicker rhythm passing, um, you know, to the, the crossers, as we saw, that worked yesterday from Matt Ryan. For the most part, why has it been so slow on the roll to get to that point offensively here? Why did it take somebody to really install that and stay with it as a play caller when it didn't with two others over the course of the season prior? Well, I mean, you go back to the Jacksonville game. Remember, uh, they they they, paid, they uh, uh, passed, what, 58 times or something like that and no sacks. So they've been trying to do this. Well, what happens is teams are smart. They'll, they'll go press coverage on everybody. I don't want to sound like Rick Venturi because I'm certainly not him. But they'll, they'll press you, and they'll take that stuff away. And at some point, you got to take a top off a of defense. At some point, you got to go downfield. And I think that'll be the case in the coming weeks. But I, don't, I don't think the Colts reinvented the wheel. I thought Parks Frazier did a terrific job. But I don't know that he 
expected anything significantly different. Uh, I thought he took advantage of what the Raiders were giving him. The Raiders are the, what, the 28th-ranked defense, I think, uh, in the league coming into the game. So they took what they were given. And I thought I thought Matt Ryan looked really sharp. I, I really did. That's, that's not the same guy we saw the first seven, however many games it was. Um, he looked more comfortable in the pocket, obviously, because uh, he had some protection. Uh, and, and he had a running game. And he, he was given, really given the team that he thought he was going to get, the support system that he thought he was going to get when he signed here. When do you think Jim Irsay handed over officially the decision-making power to Jeff Saturday to make that change at quarterback from Ellinger to Ryan? And Jake Query and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. you think that had anything to do with what Tony Dungy said on Dan Patrick's show last week? No, no, I, I don't think so. I, I just think, look, Jeff, I don't think Jeff, and I don't know this for a fact, I just mm. can't imagine that Jeff would have taken this gig if he didn't have the power to, de- to decide who his quarterback was going to be. I mean, why, why would you walk into a situation where you are forced to play Sam Ellinger? It makes no sense. You've you're, you're, you're got no chance. You've got no chance. I mean, Sam is a nice, nice young man, and he's going to make himself a lot of money and have a great career as a backup, and he's going to be a coach in this league. I guarantee you. But if you're Jeff Saturday, there's no way you're taking that job uh, under any circumstance unless you know that you can pick your quarterback. So Bob Kravitz joins us. Clearly, we both were skeptical last week about this decision. And as it stands right now, uh, people are are happy with with game number one. I'm curious, though, because I mentioned this. It may have been to you last week. I can't remember. But I had said, had they made a move? You know, to go against the grain of normalcy in the hiring process for an NFL coach, if they were to do this after the season, would you have been more agreeable with it? Because I mentioned last week I would have. I just thought kind of, you know, in the middle of chaos, adding to that chaos wasn't a good start for it. But would you have been in any sort of agreement to that if they would have done this after the season? Well, hopefully I'm understanding the question right, but uh, yeah. I, I would have had no problem if they had moved on to somebody else at the end of the season. I mean, I, if, if it was somebody, Jeff Saturday's resume is what I'm talking without oh, ever coaching. No, well, well, Je- no if they would have gone to Jeff that. Saturday after the season, would that, have, would that have been okay with you compared to no, when they no, decided no, to do no, it in no. November? No, I think if you do, yeah, if you do your due diligence and you do a full investigation into all these different candidates, and you interview a bunch of guys, and you, uh, you, you, uh, you know, work through the Rooney Rule and everything else. There's no question in my mind that you're going to find people who are far more prepared for that job. So, uh, you know, if he had taken Jeff Saturday off the set of ESPN at the end of the year, I, I still have the same. I still have the same uh, opinion, to be honest. Sorry, I'm bringing everybody down, but I'm just. I'm just not. No, all, I mean that's all right. All I mean everybody has differing it. opinions, so that's yeah. no problem. So I, I mean it's it's a, a non-stirring the pot opinion, and I get it. I mean that's coming from your standpoint. See, I, I had said last week, Bob, that if if they would have waited until after the season, I, I didn't think it was really. 
uh, in fairness, uh, good for anybody. When you just fire that thing up midweek, what they did with, with Jeff Saturday. Now, again, they had success in doing it, so I guess who am I to say? But I would have thought everybody with somebody with zero coaching experience would have been more on board if you just reset it when the season is done. And then you have the entire offseason to get into it as opposed to firing that thing up in the first week in November. Yeah, what, what I would say is, again, I, I don't think he's the, the most qualified or even close to the most qualified, but it would make more sense if you did it at the end of the season because then the guy could get up to speed. Then you're giving him the entire offseason. You're giving him all of training camp. You're giving him the preseason uh, to prepare for what's to come. So, you know, I think that makes a difference. I still – you know, for any job, you know, if I have somebody fix my roof, I want somebody who's been a roofer, you know, I mean. Well, you may not be getting that, Bob. So I'm telling you, <laughs> you may not be getting it. So. So, so, no, no, I mean, if they had done it at the end of the season, I, yeah. I mean, I guess I could make more of an argument, but it wouldn't be a very strong one. Again, I have people with, with some experience, and I think, you know, these, these jobs, you know, there's only 32 of them in the world. They're hard to come by, and people work very, very hard to put themselves in a position to, to get it. Uh, you had mentioned, and a lot of folks thought, that it was going to be an absolute disaster in the, the <laughs> sideline decision-making for Saturday. I mean, he got, he got tested pretty good. And honestly, with clock management and such, not many complaints anybody could have, if any at all. None at all. None at all. And, and that's what I wrote in my column. I said, you know, I, I, look, Colts fans tune in to see the Colts win. I mean, that's what that's what we do. You know, I mean, what what fans do, but, you know, uh, those of us locally. But I think the football watching public nationally was they were they were tuning in to see a four car pileup. They were this was a curiosity. How would this guy with no experience handle his first game? And he handled it incredibly well, incredibly well. So is he going to be coaching, you think, next season or doing another gig? Because I I maintained last week, Bob, that regardless of what happens in these final then eight games, that he was going to have a seat doing something important in this organization after the season. I just didn't know it was going to be coaching. But do you think he is going to be here? And in turn, do you think Chris Ballard is going to be here at the end of the year? I think, I think, I think after Jeff the end of the year. Be, yeah, Jeff will be here. Uh, in what capacity? I don't know. Could be GM. Could be something else. I have no idea. Um, I do not think Chris Ballard uh, will be back. I think uh, Ursay has made it abundantly clear that it's, you know, the decisions that are being made are coming from the owner's suite. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think, um, you know, we'll be the coach next year. It's going to take a small miracle, but I, you know, anything is possible, but I, if you're asking me to put money on it, my money is on uh, a new coach next year. Hey, Bob, in closing here, I'm not meaning to throw dirt on you whatsoever, okay. <laughs> but, but I'm curious. I'm do do at, you do, find a job of that myself? Yeah, what did did you have any last week? Did you maintain any animosity toward Jeff Saturday for taking the job, knowing no, how being a longtime no, NFLer and how it works? 
No, not at all. I, and, and I mentioned that in my column uh, that ran, I guess, today. Uh, I This is one of the areas where I really disagree with Joe Thomas is he said it was disgraceful that he even took the job and it was uh, this, that, and the other thing. Look, if you love something the way that Jeff Saturday loves Indianapolis and loves the Indianapolis Colts and your friend, the owner of the, of the Colts, says we need your help, then I think you're duty-bound to take that job. You're duty-bound. I don't think it's a slap in the face. I mean, you can say that what Ursay did was a slap in the face to establish coaches, but I have zero, zero problem with Jeff Saturday taking this job, and I wish him well. I really do. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I hope it's a success, but I'm not putting my money on it. I think we're done with the uh, Jim Ursay gloating tweets, or are there more to come, you think, this week? Depends on how the week goes, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, yeah, probably we'll get more. It's Jim. It's Jim. Uh, I would probably gloat, too. I, I don't know. I guess I would. I call people. I'm a name caller. I don't know if I'm a gloater. I'm a name caller. Well, you're a gloater when Miles Turner goes for 37. Uh, I guess I am a gloater, too. yeah. <laughs> Name caller yeah. and gloater. By the way, you're watching 33 do some business, aren't you? You love it. Yeah, you uh, love it. I just saw his, he's averaging, what, 17.9 uh, yeah. points. Uh, I, I think rebounds, I think he's around 10, 12, something like that. He's been terrific. I talked to him today a little bit, me and some other media folks, and he's in a really good place. The problem is, again, you know, he's he, he, his contract is up at the end of the year. What are, yep. They got to get something for him unless, unless, you know, they, he suddenly decides or the, the Pacers suddenly decide they want to hold on to him. And I just don't see that happening. I think he'll be moved. Before, I, 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 I am very confident that he will be moved before the deadline. That said, I think he's playing extraordinarily well. He's been free to play the five. I think he's a nice uh, pairing at times with Isaiah Jackson because Isaiah Jackson can play on the perimeter as well. Um, and, and he's been a total pro about it. I mean, that's the thing about Miles. You know, people get on his ass about this, that, and the other thing. Excuse me for saying that. But, uh, no, he, he's been a total pro about this season and all the rumors. He's addressed them. And he's playing well. He's playing hard. And you can't ask for anything more from the guy. Love it. I love it. I think I've been like the lone supporter in the wilderness out here for 33 for a while. So, yeah. No, I, I've, never, I've never had the issue. I mean, I've always thought he was an okay player. I think he's better than okay this year. But um, I just think you have to look at it realistically and understand that, you know, because of his contractual situation, that it's yeah. it's beyond unlikely that he's going to be back. Um, you know the Pacers, uh, what a crappy job of tanking they're doing, huh? That this is a fun team. I went to the game it with is. the other night against Toronto, and they were in the fourth quarter. They were just money. I mean they they were nails defensively. Rick's really got them playing well. Hey Bob, in terms of Miles too, you can tell, especially in these high ball screen situations that he gets yes. set up with, with Tyrese Halliburton. He has an elite level willing passer 
that has never been close to having in his career here. That is such a huge difference. It just is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tyrese Halliburton, I, you know, they're changing the culture here, and Tyrese Halliburton is the centerpiece of that. I mean, Ben Matherin is going to be their best player, and I've got a piece about Ben Matherin coming out probably on Thursday um, in the athletic, but uh, free plug. But uh, Halliburton, <laughs> Halliburton is, is the centerpiece. He's, he's the future. He's the face of the franchise. Great, great young guy. Um, you know, knows how to handle himself on the court and off. So, uh, and that, that clearly has helped Miles Turner uh, become uh, the player that, he, that he's been uh, here in the first couple of weeks. Anxiously awaiting yet another phone call this week from Jim Ursay. Be standing by in case that comes, all right? It, yeah, well, if he wants to gloat, I, I got my tape recorder. I'm always, I'm always ready. <laughs> all right, buddy. I appreciate that. Bob's latest stuff uh, inside the athletic. You can find it right there. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk at you coming up this weekend. See what happens Thanks, in that press box on Sunday. Should be fun. Absolutely. Can't wait. Got it, Bob. Thank you. Bob Kravitz of the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. 